Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Star Trek Jujurations. This is the last episode of this season, of uh, season two of the podcast, but then of season three of Star Trek Voyager. Um, before I get into what is probably going to be a very short episode for reasons I'm about to disclose, um, for those of you who don't want to wait until I start releasing season three of the podcast, you can sign up for the Patreon at patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh, where I will be hosting watch parties for the episodes I'll be doing in the next season, um, always giving away the episode early, giving you video versions of the episode, uh, all sorts of goodies to join the Star Trek Zhuzh community. So if you're not ready to say goodbye just yet, even though it's a temporary goodbye, um, join at patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh. So other housekeeping things. Um, it is the last podcast of 2022 as well. Uh, I'm probably releasing this maybe just after New Year's Day publicly. Patreon has it before. But um, yeah, it's been quite a year. And I just want to thank everybody for uh, talking to me on Instagram and reaching out to me and talking to me on the Patreon. I get lots of feedback from you guys and responses to the clips and the GIFs and the memes and the episode themselves. And I just really appreciate everybody. Um, it's nice to know that there are people out there listening. But I probably talk to a wall about this anyway because I love Star Trek. So we're ending season three. And the reason that I say this is going to be a short episode is because this whole this whole run of episodes is great. It's really good. I have very few comments about the one, two, three, four, five episodes I'm talking about uh, that run up until Scorpion really made up for some lackluster um, season two. I think this is where Voyager probably hits its stride uh, and there start to become more longer stretches of really great episodes. I think my general consensus is... Um, my general consensus of this is... is there are too many there again there are too many episodes that could have been done on any other Star Trek which I know I keep saying and you're probably sick of me saying but Voyager Voyager is best when it commits to its premise and tells stories that only it can tell in the same way that Deep Space 9 does the same thing so what do I have to talk about so we're talking about before and after real life distant origin displaced and worst case scenario and I'm just gonna take them in order because I don't really have any major judges for any of them before and after it's probably the best cast story there is which I guess is bittersweet that they're giving it to her right before the canner um, she is traveling back through time um with each flash uh taking her back to a different so we get to see the future we get to see what happens to people Janeway and Bellana dying in one of the instances her children what happens with Harry Kim like you just get to see what happens with everybody in the alternate future it's a little future imperfect it's a little all good things um the traveling back through time is interesting could this have been done on any other Star Trek Yes, so that's the one thing that holds it back. But this is a really solid Star Trek episode, and I don't really think 
this plot convention has truly ever like really been done before. Um, my zhuzh is not really a zhuzh to this episode. It's to the writers of the future seasons. So what's great about this is that Kess warns Voyager about the Krenim, which become the villains for Year of Hell because it's that chronoton torpedo that does this to Kess. Now, the chronoton torpedo I like in Year of Hell because we get Seven doing what Kess did in this episode, which is crawling into the to uh, into the Jeffrey's tube to the undetonated torpedo in order to get, I believe, it's the phase variants. So that's cool because it's like a callback to this episode and yada yada. However, they already know this. They were told this. When Kess reemerged in the present and everything was done, her time traveling was done, she pulled Janeway aside and told her about the Krenim and told her about the torpedoes and told her about everything she knew. So why, in Year of Hell, do they not remember or reference any of this? They weren't prepared. There couldn't be a line about, like, these are the people Kess warned us about. Nothing. Even though they do a callback to that episode by having Seven do the same thing. So it's not like they forgot about the episode. So, like, what? What? You obviously remember this episode. Why is it forgotten by the rest of the cast? So that's weird to me. Maybe there's an explanation I'm not thinking of. Um, but she told them in the present. She didn't tell them in the future. She told them when she when it was done and she got back. She pulled them aside and warned them about the Krenim. So why didn't they know these people when they announced themselves? You'd think Janeway would be prepared. So that's really my... It's not even a zhuzh of before and after. It's a zhuzh of year and hell. Then we get to real life, which is Voyager's take on, I think, Next Generation's The Offspring. It is extremely unique. It is unique to the premise of this show because it's the holographic Doctor. However, you know, Data's done this, not on the holodeck, but, you know, Seven does this with holographic Chakotay later when she, um... <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. I, I, I choose something. I don't remember. There's a Native American word, which depending if the consultant was, was making it up or not, may or may not be real. Um, I'm just going to use as a reference for Seven's um, Borg vagina. But um, so, so it's not entirely unique, but I think the way that they play it the not-so-human character experience humanity in terms of either love, relationship, or family, I think is really great. Um, it, the fact that it, it starts off as a sitcom, Balana finds it sickening, they reprogram it to be more real, um, the girl has an accident, they play it out, the doctor can't handle it. It's all just, it's a really great, it's a really great episode. It's really great sci-fi. It's really great Star Trek. Papa Carter's acting is incredible. The only issue I have with this one is they prioritize him in family life with the children and not with the wife. The wife doesn't seem like a true 
love interest. And they portray the family as if, like, I make the money. Well, I guess she, well, no one's making the money. But, you know, I'm the most important career one. She has her own career. uh, But she also takes care of the kids. And that's her purpose. Like, you'd think with it, he would explore, like, an intimate connection with the wife character. But they just seem like work colleagues responsible for rearing two children. So, well, maybe some of you straight straight people will be like, yeah, that's real life. And that makes me sad and happy to be gay and want exactly zero children, especially if they're Star Trek children. Though I didn't mind the children in this. And I like the Klingon thing, the, like, the influence uh, from the bad kids. Like... This is a really, you know, my gripes are so minor. It, on its own, it's just a really great, interesting story. Then we get to Displaced. Now, I don't know how people feel about this episode. I love, love this episode. And the reason I love this episode is I'm so pissed at the villains. They really do a great job of making them smarmy superior and they're winning and i just wanted to choke one of them out i love this episode affected me in terms of oh fuck these people fuck these people uh the guy who oh i don't know why i'm here and yada yada and then they take over the ship um i liked running between the habitats that was interesting um it's also one of those episodes, and I've talked about this a lot, that I love the kind of episodes where everybody has a purpose. And so, like, they're in teams and they're doing things and, like, the whole crew is, like, brainstorming and working on things. I love those kind of episodes. So I'm really happy about that. Um, yeah, I don't know how people feel about this one, but... I was shocked rewatching it. I'm like, oh, I'm really engaged. In the way I'm engaged with um, next-gen episodes like Power Play or Disaster or Conundrum, like, it's not, they're not similar stories at all, but ones where I'm like, oh, like, like, I'm really along for the ride here. Starship Mine, like, this is a, yeah, like, I'm really along for the ride. And I was along for the ride for for displaced and I the concept was interesting minor gripe could be done on any episode of Star Trek but minor so it makes it a 9 out of 10 for me instead of a 10 out of 10 um oh we skipped sorry I saw two D's so I skipped over distant origin which is between real life and displaced this one I know is controversial I like the uh, the concept of guess what the dinosaurs evolved and they're a more technologically superior society the fact that they're in the delta quadrant makes more sense for me than the 37s so we've got two instances of things from earth winding up in the delta quadrant that aren't a result of the caretaker and it's amelia Earhart. no thank you no thank you and dinosaurs Amelia Earhart and dinosaurs. Those are the two things that the writers were like, ooh, what if these things left Earth? Earth, 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 and were in the Delta Quadrant? 
Amelia Earhart, and dinosaurs. What? Okay. Okay, girl. Um, but dinosaurs work better for me because it, 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 the fact that so much time has passed, yes, their society could have migrated naturally all the way to the Delta Quadrant, you know, gone through their own shit, then grew a whole society that's superior to the Federation in terms of its, you know, technology and, and this and that. And it's like, at least enough time has passed and it was like a natural progression. In that way, I find it, I like it better. Whereas like, oh, we're aliens who want to kidnap people to work in our minds and we're going to go all the way to Earth to get them instead of any one of these fucking planets in the Delta Quadrant. That seemed weird. Um, and bad, and a bad episode. But, so this one I don't mind as much. And I really like the trial aspect of it. It kind of felt the outcast to me. Um, there's another one where someone has to like discredit their work. Not sure if I'm remembering that one, but I like that aspect of it, of him having to basically go back on his beliefs in order to, you know, placate society so that the foundations of, you know, their history aren't, you know, that that's very... That's a very Star Trek thing. It was very well done. I really liked the the Lady Voth, who was the judiciary senior counsel person. I thought she was a great actress. I thought all of that was interesting. I like that they kind of gave it as a Chakotay episode because it's a good episode. And so one of the very few good Chakotay-centric episodes. Um, maybe this is what started us realizing that he was like super into anthropology because that just kind of came out of nowhere at one point and then it was like always talked about with Chakotay I felt like they're like Sesk is gone what makes him interesting oh he's going to be an anthropologist now that kind of just came out of nowhere um but if I'm going to do anything to this episode minor touch I don't like the explanation they come up with for how the dinosaurs got out there. Some must have survived and developed their society and then left. I mean, it's certainly plausible, but like, we're finding dinosaur bones here all the time. You're telling me by the time of the 24th century, we ain't found nothing of that? We wouldn't know anything about that? There was a civilization before humanity that rose to the level of space travel. Wouldn't the Vulcans know about that? Well, I guess it was way, way long ago. I don't know. I don't quite buy that as the excuse. So, honestly, I think you can make a 37s kind of thing here and it work. Which is, instead of, well, we didn't die from the asteroid and we continued to evolve and became smart and developed technology and enough technology to get in space. Because wouldn't you need whole cities and... Like, I don't know. I just don't get the... I don't know. Maybe I could be convinced. I just didn't like the explanation. What I think you do is um, a, a observing species capable of spaceflight saw that the earth was about to be extinct and went to collect for preservation purposes 
um, animals of the of of the planet, just so they weren't completely lost to existence, and were probably maybe were put on another world as sort of like a sanctuary kind of wildlife sanctuary thing. And they evolved through the millennia through there, right? That I like better than it having happened on Earth because it's weird that we wouldn't know anything about that. Seems weird. So that's it for that. Already talked about displaced. Which brings us to our last one, which is worst case scenario, which is one of my absolute favorite episodes of Voyager, I have to say. Up there with Shattered. Why? Seska's back. Love Seska. More Seska. More Seska all the time. Seska Spectacular. The fact that she wrote that program, well, that Tuvok was writing the program, and then Seska found it and did some shit with it. The fact that the crew's obsessed with it and are all playing it. The moral implications of Starfleet officers playing the Maquis, the, when Janeway finds out about it. Like, it's great. It's really great. The reactions are great. The characterizations are great. Um, when it gets out of control, all of that. I, I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. It was another one, or I'll put it in the, um, like, displaced, where it's just like, I'm along for the ride. There was no checking my... my watch there was no checking my phone there was no i was glued to the television it kept me my attention the entire time um which these days i think is hard for a lot of people so love worst case scenario so voyager thank you for killing it which makes this episode a little short now i'm going to keep you on the horn for a bit longer because i have something I've, i've previewed that i want to talk about and i'm actually now getting worried that i may have already talked about this but well you'll get it twice Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I want to talk about what I think should have happened if Kess remained on the ship. So if Kess didn't leave, and I talked about this, I think, a bit with Captain Jeremiah. I think she should have had a regular telepathic dialogue with Suspiria. And it's through her eyes that Suspiria is seeing the crew and learning that they're not what she thought they were. So that by the end of the seven seasons, she decides to help them, Suspiria, get home through Kess. I think Kess dies in the series finale because I think what they wanted was, you know, she's two, Ocumpens only live till nine, I think it is. So that's a seven-season show. And I think that's what they wanted. They wanted her to be the eyes, we wanted her to be the viewpoint of of us to learn about this crew. And she's like, you know, growing up with them, growing old with them. I think whatever she should have been, Elderly Kess in the last season, because she's at the end of her life and a lot of having to deal with that, um, and her final, 
her the gift, her final thing, is with Suspiria sending them home. Because I gotta tell you, Endgame to me is a worse all good things. Because right, D Space Nine didn't try to do future D Space Nine. They just wrapped up the war a bit quickly, but and a bit easily. But they wrapped up the war, wrapped up the character arcs, had tearful goodbyes. That was like theirs. It was very different from All Good Things. Endgame felt like watered down All Good Things. Um, yeah, there were things about it I certainly liked. The two Janeways are fun. I don't know. I hated Harry's speech in it. The about whether they're going to try to blow up the transport hub. I hate the transport hub. I love that Alice Creek was back. I mean, I don't mean to be rude to Susanna Thompson, but like, she's Alice Creek is the Borg queen and just eats that role up in a way that I don't think anybody else can. Um, but I, I know I talked about this before, but you know, D Space Nine starts with, you are the emissary, you are on a path. D Space Nine ends with, you have completed the path, and now it's time to rest. Okay? It's a bookend. TNG started with the trial of humanity, and it ended with the trial of humanity. It was a bookend. The trial never ends. Right? With Q. Voyager begins with, caretaker sends them and they decide to stay because they can't sacrifice the Okampa. They want to help the Okampa because yada yada. And it ends with the Borg. Which in a way basically says, oh well we don't consider this show to have really started until Seven of Nine showed up. This is, a, this is actually a Borg centric show. So I wouldn't even have the final... I would have the final episode have very little to do with the Borg. They did... They, by that point, they had done enough. You know, make Unimatrix Zero your end of, of using the Borg. Um, and your send-off there. Because I think... The bookend should have been... You know, it started with the Caretaker. should have ended with Suspiria. So, had Kess remained on the ship, you could definitely deal with the fact that she's eight. She, the point where she's now technically, by like appearance and, and her physicality, older than everyone on the ship, where she was the child. That's an interesting episode. Her, of course, developing her telepathy. Um, I wonder if she does, oh, since they were already turning her into velour blonde Troy, uh, if they wanted her to take a, like a Starfleet sort of exam in order for her to have like actual crew responsibilities other than just being the nurse. Um, maybe she becomes a doctor instead. Um, but because her lifespan is so short, like her learning curve is very quick. Um, have her have a romance 
with like bring in a, a secondary character or have her end up with um what's his face Vulcan the one who should be Tarek Vorik um that could have been interesting it was sad to see her go but honestly they really didn't do a lot with her and she didn't have a lot of great episodes nor did she have a lot of great parts in episodes that weren't about her her best stuff was always with the doctor um the two of them the neelix stuff was always deeply annoying the paris stuff never felt right the tuvok stuff was nice having him as a mentor there could have been a lot more there especially the episode i think it's riddles where tuvok loses his like logic and is basically kind of handicapped um Kess could have had a nice part in that episode. What's the relationship between Kess and Seven of Nine, especially since Kess is the one that zapped her to stop her from contacting the Borg and yada, 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 which eventually kept her on the ship. I don't know what their relationship would have been. Maybe there could be an episode with in the early days where Seven wants to go back to the Collective and they've never assimilated an Okampan before and they're wondering if you know, the, the the innate telepathic ability is something worth assimilating. Um, or she's never in danger of being assimilated because she only lives nine years, so she's not useful to the collective. And that could be an interesting story point. You could have had a true callback to... She could have a, a big part in Year of Hell because she remembers the after effects of that from before and after. And she knows about the Cranum, and she knows all of that stuff. So she could have a major part in that episode. Um, when Neelix dies, kind of, that episode, she could have a... There were lots of points where Kess could have started to have better writing, better parts of bigger episodes, themes that could have been her own. Um obviously not training her for seven of nine seven of nine is probably the aside from janeway this you know the most iconic character to come out of it but you know you always hate it when a main character leaves you know tasha should have been back far more as sila i felt so anyway i do think there was a spot for Kess, and i do think Kess would have been integral in getting them home as opposed to the Borg stuff, which was kind of... Eh. All right. Oh, and she could have the goodbye to Neelix. That could have been sweet. She stays on the ship, but he stays behind with the Talaxians. And that could have been an interesting goodbye. And and then we don't have to do Fury, which was terrible. Uh, maybe that'll be a... Someday. That's going to show up on this show. I promise you that. All right. Well, this was a short Jujurations because I had five really nice episodes. I uh, gave you my thoughts with Kess. Uh, this is the end. We're not going to go into season four. This was just doing the pre-seven of nine seasons of Voyager. So we're stopping right here. doesn't make sense to do Scorpion Part 1 if we're not doing Scorpion Part 2. So I will be on break probably for January, maybe a little bit into February uh, in terms of the podcast. The podcast will... Uh, come back out sometime in February with season three. However, 
if you're on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H, you will be getting more content during this time, which is me watching these episodes and an invite invite to join me remotely, where we will watch the episodes for season three together. Uh, also, and follow me on Instagram at uh, Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H. I'll keep posting. I'll monitor the DMs. I hope to hear from you. Uh, let me know what you think I should be doing. If, if I, I have an idea of what I want to do, but if there's enough suggestions uh, about something else, maybe that's a better idea. I live to serve. All right, kids, live long and prosper. Have a prosperous new year. And uh, if you're not on the Patreon, I'll see you in a couple weeks. And if you are on the Patreon, I'll see you very soon.